Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Grolic Saves the World. We asked you what your favorite episode of 2022 was, and boy, did you guys respond. Thank you for voting. We are replaying that right now because, frankly, we need a break, okay? We're fucking exhausted. We're exhausted, and we're replaying your favorite episode, and we'll be back January 10th with more incredible episodes. You gave us feedback about what you want us here, and we listened, and we have a great year planned. So thank you for voting. Enjoy your favorite episode of 2022. And thank you for voting me MVP of the podcast. I didn't see that coming, but it's really nice to know that you guys see it the way that I see it. Hey, we got, I got to go. I got to go. Enjoy this old episode. Uh, Yeah, be right there, dudes. Let's go have fun. Best friends. There's no problems here. (laughs) Hey, y'all. Guess what time it is? It's the Grolic Sense of World time. Oh, hey, cool. Right, cool. The Grolic saves the world. That's right. What does it go? What does it go? We're getting big. Our world is a big I think that's the best we've ever done. That is probably one of the better ones. I got the finest we've ever done. It. Nice work, hey, producer Ron. Welcome to nice the work. live Grolic Saves the World taping. <laughs> Here at the world-famous Bug Theater. Mm-hmm. Leave your mask on unless you're eating and drinking. And if you are eating and drinking, you definitely have Omicron. It's the Grolic Saves the World, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Adam Caden Holland. I'm Ben Roy. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. And this is a podcast where we better the world around us by bettering ourselves. Right. And we do that through passive-aggressive self-help challenges. Uh, which could be anything. In the yeah. past, we've we, we, we've actually done things like we floated. We did sensory <laughs> deprivation floating. Uh, it's like the opposite of doing something. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Totally. We did nothing in salt. <laughs> uh, we watched all the Fast and Furious movies. That was a big one. And I don't think that improved us at all in any manner. Um, but we are family now. We are definitely family now. Moss Cervezas. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and we really appreciate it. We feel like you're family. We thank you guys for coming out to the last podcast, the live podcast of all time. Yeah. Uh, we got news from the CDC and from comedy that this is the final live podcast. <laughs> uh, so thanks for being here for it. Yeah. Also, the CDC wants you to know you are now free to start chasing waterfalls again. Hey. Uh, wow. Yeah, no it's been so long. To stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Nice. So nice. that's good. <laughs> Did you just think of that off the top of your head? Yeah. It's fucking great. I feel like you've been rolling with that for a while, but the news is too new for you to have taken that on the road. No. No, no, dude. No, dude. That's all. Man, you're done. back from from a stint with the Omicron. How you I feeling? I did. I yeah, got it. It changed you, dude. It. I had the crom. I got it big time. But I can't. But he did his 10 days. He did his 10 days in purgatory. So if you are going to get it, don't half-ass it. Get it big time. (laughs) Get it from Ben at one of his shows when he puts his fingers in your mouth. (laughs) That's the way to get it. Listen, I stopped doing that sometime in midway through 2020. Yeah. I waited till July to see if this shit was real before I stopped putting... No, um, yeah, I did. I had it. But I'm... I'm, I'm a proponent for being vaccinated. I, I believe that the vaccine helped because I, it was very mild. 
Um, I, I body aches. I actually had indigestion, which was the weirdest thing. Um, An upset tum? Yeah, my tummy wow. got upset, and I got gas trapped in me, and I couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> you know, I love to expel my gas. I do. It's it's what keeps you normal, keeps you down. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, so but but it only lasted like three or four days, and then I sat around for the next six days, feeling totally healthy, and on the last day, the CDC. Cut the time of quarantine it's in half. Five, yeah. Just yeah. despite you. Yeah. Let me ask you this: What was the first? Because you were hardcore in your apartment alone over Christmas. It was pretty sad. Mm-hmm. What was the first thing you did when you're like, "I'm free"? Okay. What was the first? Jujitsu? Did you go? For no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I went. And, Adam, I went and visited my son. Uh, <laughs> I, I love forgot that you had a son. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah does. no, I that went and saw the child that wasn't able to see on Christmas Day. So, and I appreciate you naturally went to jujitsu with me. I know what you it love. Means a lot. You full story. He took his son to jujitsu. <laughs> Let's get all the details out. But anyway, yeah. So tonight, uh, with the podcast, yeah. uh, we we do have a challenge that we are going to do. In front of you all, uh, there will be a challenge. The That's cool Hand Luke egg eating challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Buck, yes, fifty eggs, one hour. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nope, a Somebody live can... crate challenge. <laughs> That's it. We're gonna crawl across that crate pyramid, and Andrew goes first. That's how it works. Um, no, yeah, no, I've got the challenge. Now listen, as you guys know, I went to Mexico in November with my family, and I bring that up to point out how much more well-traveled I am than both of you. But also, right. to remind cool, everyone you. that I'm fluent in Spanish. It's <laughs> awesome, wow. Adam. You can go to Mexico if you're not fluent in Spanish. I've done it twice. <laughs> but I asked, did you ever really go there? And as... I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure where we landed because I couldn't read anything. But... <laughs> I went there on November 1st, which uh, some of you may know is Dia de los Muertos. Ah, yes. And I'd never been there on Dia de los Muertos, and I was just blown away by how they do it down there. I, I just, I've seen Coco. I, I, know about, <laughs> I know about Freedom Kalo art. That's my experience with Dia de los Muertos. It's like skeletons and death. Cool. I had no idea that it's a very real holiday down there. And like everywhere I went, there's roadside memorials to people's ancestors. And in the town we were, where we were, there was a beach called Playa de los Muertos right by a cemetery. And so I saw the remnants of Dia de los Muertos. I, I wasn't... Beach of the Dead? Beach of the Dead. Whoa. And ironically, yes. that's, the the sa- that's the safe one for children. It's like a Greenland Iceland trick. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta yeah. keep the tourists on their toes. But I saw in all the, all the gravestones, there's just like photos of the families and there's food out there and there's booze and it's a very real celebration of the dead they do every year and it felt very much to me like a healthy way to approach are you death. saying we don't do that drive down 32nd to golden there's those memorials oh, yeah, all those over sad, the place i mean even right at wadsworth the at 20th every other stoplight somebody <laughs> has been cleaned out Ugh. fair enough a different form of celebrating the dead yeah Go to Quebec and 17th, there's a snowboard stuck to a street sign over there. Oh. You tell me we don't mourn properly. Somebody got hit on a snowboard at 17th in Quebec? 
It was I've seen the ghost bikes around town, those white bikes. I haven't seen the snowboard. Yeah, there's a snowboard. You do that in the city when there's no snow, you're asking to be killed, frankly. <laughs> I guarantee if someone died on a snowboard at 17th in Quebec, it was one of the many Tylers that listens to this podcast. <laughs> Die Hard fans know this is the premier podcast for Tylers. So many Tylers. We have an incredible amount of Tylers who follow at us. At least 11 Tylers on Patreon. It's amazing. Yeah. We're the foremost Tyler podcast in the United States. Any Tylers here tonight? Any Tylers in the house? Middle name. Fuck yeah, that yeah, counts. Close counts. Close enough. That counts. Ty Ty. Ty Ty's in the house. Absolutely. Are you counts. having fun, Ty Ty? It's a little warm, I know, for a guy. Is that. your middle, or were you named after the Tyler that died at 17 in the Quebec? <laughs> Jesus, I hope these people... There really is a memorial there. Of a snowboard? There's a snowboard on the sign right by uh, Johnson and Wales. It's, oh, uh, yeah, it's real sad. Uh, let's, yeah, let's... Yeah. <laughs> okay, this got real fucked up real quick. Good, because that's the, the theme of this fucking what's pod. The, what's the challenge? I want to eulogize you and Andrew live tonight. <laughs> You want to eulogize us? I want to eulogize you. Like a, like, like euthanize? Like put us <laughs> Andrew first because his hips can't support his body weight. <laughs> he does sit off on his side more and we keep having to smack him when he does it. And the incontinence. And the incontinence. How do you know? I love the idea of Andrew constantly sitting like this. One night he's shitting himself, but the next day he's happy at the dog park. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> We're gonna fucking no, no. I really think I think that America, in particular, is just very uncomfortable with death. And I don't really understand why, because it's a human thing. It's and we're so good at creating it. Which <laughs> exactly. is... We manufacture it like it's better than it's any one of our chief exports. <laughs> yeah. So I, don't, I just was impressed. It felt very much more natural and much more healthy the way that I saw them doing it in Mexico. And, and just like you guys, I've had a lot of death in my life. Uh, my little sister, I recently lost a very dear friend, and I wrote an article about him in the Westward, and I hit upon this thing as I was writing him that I tend to only write about these people when they're gone. And I just, like, I fucking hate that we only eulogize and celebrate people when yeah, they're gone. And, and, and it's certainly me, because I'm like, well, fuck, I gotta mourn, and I write it out. And that's when I celebrate these people. I, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I don't know how many funerals or things that I've been to in the like growing up and, and in my adulthood where I found myself in it saying in the eulogy or something I'm reading about the person I wish I had said this to that person totally and, and the takeaway is always like hey nothing's promised so like tell the people that you love them now because they could be gone tomorrow so I'm like well why the fuck don't we write eulogies now because I don't love you Adam uh... yeah and I've never <laughs> well, really save it for the eulogy <laughs> <laughs> I never loved Adam. <laughs> That'd oh be God. a cool funeral. Like, that's a cool funeral. <laughs> that's a cool funeral item. I just think we're deathly afraid of it, no pun intended, and I think it's a good idea to take the piss out of death every now and again. And so I thought, what better way to do that than here at the Grolics, writing eulogies for one another? 
Okay. Straight like the fuck. Eulogies up. for the living. Eulogies right, for the living. Do you have you been to a bunch of funerals in your life, Andrew? You're co- crazy quiet over there. <laughs> he's 101 years old. Of course he's been to a bunch of funerals in his life. Oh, you'll quickly uh, find out that's a running joke with this podcast as well. Uh, <laughs> Andrew's I've not been, dubious I've not been age. to a, a crazy amount, I wouldn't say. You have a regular amount. What would you call a crazy amount of funerals? <laughs> I don't know. That's what he does. Three hundred. <laughs> that is a crazy amount. Yeah, right. Well, that's a lot. That'd of be funerals. a sad amount. Yeah, that's um, that's. No, I guess I've been pretty fortunate. I haven't been to a funeral in quite a while. So. Well, it you're about to like come to one. Yeah, it sounds like we're about to do one then, wow. bud. And this is going to be awkward as fuck. So we're going to take a break. And we're going to prepare our eulogies. And, uh, you know, I'll just break the fourth wall. We've known about this challenge. We've been working on these eulogies for a few days. Yeah. Um, and I've got one ready for Ben. I've got one ready for Andrew. Do you guys have ones ready for... for... No. Oh, really? <laughs> dude, are you going to freestyle? Yeah, dude. I'm going to fucking yeah. drop this shit hard like it's a cypher straight off the dome. You already saw what I did up top with, with that, that... waterfall With shit. that waterfall stuff. You know I'm locked if in, If you could bring that heat to my funeral, I'd be fucking on it. <laughs> You wow. would be. Yeah, dude. You'd be South Boston on it. Yeah. That's where it takes me. Right. I'm fucking on. <laughs> now that's the kind of hat you need to show more often on this stage. You're sitting over there like a fucking gargoyle or something. Fuck. protecting a fucking cathedral or something. Yeah. Did you just say cathedral? Yeah. Is that how you, is I'm that crossing that? a lot of accents up. Well, why don't we do this? Ah! If you listen to the podcast, that's my favorite line. Why don't we do this? We're going to take a break. Yes. We're going to listen to some live comedy right here because we have our very dear friend in town. Yes. Who has an amazing podcast himself? Yeah. The podcast that he has is called Probably Science. We're going to take some break here and listen to his comedy, and uh, we'll come back with eulogies. In the meantime, please make some noise and enjoy some comedy from our good friend, Matt Kirshen, everybody. Yay! I love those guys. Uh, I, I love performing here. It's nice to be in youth. We're like, this whole show is about death. Please welcome the comedy of Matt Kirshen. <laughs> He's going to give it a go and hopefully fit in with the theme. Uh, anyone else have to postpone a wedding three times in the last two years? Highly recommend that. That's the most fun. Because the married people in the room will know the best part of any wedding is the admin. <laughs> Three lots of admin now we've done. Three lots of admin. Three lots of save the dates. Uh, for the non-married people, that's the thing you send out to your friends and family to tell them that we're going to be getting married on this day and we'd like you to attend. But this isn't an invitation. <laughs> Don't go thinking this is an invitation for a second because it isn't. But you will be getting an invitation, so prepare yourself for that. Our original date was September 13th of last year. Uh, then it was going uh, to be September this year. Now September next year. Uh, more than one friend, by the way, expressed relief that we're not getting married on the 13th anymore. Which surprised me about my friends. I had no idea. I didn't know that was a... I think we're all learning things about our friends in the last two years, but... I didn't know that one. I didn't expect that. Like, you know, it's the 13th, and every seven years your anniversary will be on Friday the 13th. And I had to be like, yeah, but it's okay, because neither of us are 15th century villagers. <laughs> <laughs> Omens do not dictate our lives. Like... The movement of the crows do not say whether we will have a bountiful harvest this winter. When we run out of food, we press a thing on our phone and more food comes. That's how we exist. So, 
September 13th of last year, then September 26th of this year, now, uh, now it's gonna be next year on September 11th. So, <laughs> that's straight up true. That's, that's what it's gonna be. Venue was available, who knew? Uh, who knew? <laughs> who knew the venues were available and cheap on that day, but they are. I guess not that many people wanna get married on the day that you know, Pete Rose beat Ty Cobb's batting record. <laughs> that's why we all remember it, right? 1985, big day, never forget. <laughs> Between you and me, I had to Google that. We are back, it is the second half. We just enjoyed some comedy from Matt Gershon. And for those of you wow. that are listening at home, we've, uh, we've had a bit of a wardrobe change. Yeah. We're ready for a funeral. Well, some of us are. Some of us, uh, apparently, we interrupted their vacation in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Jesus. Fucking Christ, dude. Yeah. Andrew and I are clad in suits with ties for a funeral. Ben is an agent looking for clients. <laughs> Man, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah, don't, Listen, let us, just, don't let us trouble you to put on a fucking tie, dude. I just want to represent your bodies. I don't think it's a big deal. I do have to point out to you that Ben tied Andrew's tie in the green room, and it was as adorable as you can imagine. <laughs> I needed the help. I did. It was very. It was somebody like, who doesn't wear a tie. You're pretty good at tying them, yeah. asshole. So <laughs> put one on. I had to wear one constantly for those who can't, and I refuse to wear them anymore. And way uh, to go, you unbridled horse. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to it. Punk, what a punk rocker, dude. <laughs> So fucking punk. All right, let's go ahead and do this. Uh, if you're, uh, everybody, give a big round of applause. Alex is back there in the booth. Alex, if you could, please raise the curtain here to raise the screen up. And let's get this party going here. We're going to raise that. Yep. We have brought a, uh, a casket to the center of the stage, and I propose that whoever is being eulogized must occupy the casket. I think so, too. I think that that's a requirement. And we should point out to the audience, we're going to eulogize ourselves one at a time. There you go. And then at the end, because the Garlic Saves the World is a competitive self-help show, we'll bring Matt back out, and he will choose who did the best job of eulogizing his friends while they're still alive. And that will be the winner of the challenge. Yeah. All right. So what do you say we get this started? Come on. Make some noise. It's the first, it's the first funeral that's got a pretty healthy round of applause to start it off. Hell yeah. It's funeral's a party. And I think we know who goes first. Ready? There it goes. Get right into it. You notice how he didn't argue with that? It's just a given that Andrew would go first. There you go. There we go. He's crawled underneath. He's standing, standing up in his, his casket. <laughs> Time to learn about death. Yeah, we'll give you that. So if you have to, yeah, you shouldn't talk though. No, no. <laughs> Benji, would you like to read? Uh, 
Read first, Ferrandra, or? Boy, this yeah, that is. Uh, for those who are listening right now, you can't see it. The casket, Andrew, is standing up through the center of it. Uh, I need some sunglasses. Yeah, like a cool meerkat. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll start. I didn't want to do this, you know, it being as None of us wanted to do this, but we are gathered. Wow, sorry, it's so mandatory for you both. <laughs> Jesus. No, we meant because you're dead and we're sad. Oh, okay. I think you might mean it. Maybe. No, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, Ben, uh, would you like to eulogize our dear friend Andrew Orbital? Oh, God, I didn't want to write this. <laughs> I probably should have been preparing to do so, seeing that uh, Andrew was so much older. Absolutely. Fuck you. (laughs) You're not supposed to talk to him. Put it it in the bushes. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. If any one of us actually dies during this, we, we deserved it. We deserved it. If I die falling in this fake oven, pretty good risk. You're doing a great job. It's a, we always knew you'd be buried in an ill-fitting coffin. Uh, I thanks for, Alex, thanks for finding the tween coffin for us. <laughs> That's a tie-tie coffin if I've ever seen one. Um, I should have been preparing for this because Andrew was so much older uh, than Adam and I. Negligently so, but it was easy to forget about the nearly 30-year age gap between <laughs> Andrew, Adam, and myself, because Andrew just had this youthful spirit in him. I guess that's what I'm saying is he was so old, spirits lived inside him. (laughs) But I also should have been preparing for this moment, the day that Andrew bought that damned home hot air balloon kit. (laughs) Boy, did he love his dangerous outdoor toys. Whether it was the truck he bought No joke for off-roading the 4x4 truck with the drone that followed it. Or when he bought the sea kayak or that banjo. (laughs) It was a a mandolin. It was a mandolin. I'm sorry. It was a mandolin. We watched him buy all these things and I said, nope, stay out of it. It's his life to ruin. But when I found out about that hot air balloon he was building in his backyard, I just knew in my guts that it wasn't going to end well. I would say to him, you don't belong up there in them there clouds. You heard me say that to him, Adam. I sure did. I said, you don't belong up there in them there clouds. But Andrew would say, safest form of travel, mile for mile. <laughs> I don't know where he got his stats from. <laughs> Man, they sure brought him a lot of comfort. And when his balloon slammed into those high-tension cables out at I-70 and 6th Avenue, and he was parboiled from the inside out, I think he saw the error of his ways. Are you crying, Adam? I'm just so broken up about it. Yeah. But as typical of most humans, we often only see the errors of our way in our final moments. They become the coins placed upon our eyelids, don't they? And how can one sum up the life of one Andrew Truman Orbital? An, en- <laughs> an enigma of a man. So few really knew that his middle name is Truman, and uh, a name that his parents bestowed upon him after the president who was in office on the day he was born. <laughs> I learned most of these facts fairly recently as well, because it may shock you all to learn this, but Andrew and I were not lifelong friends. We didn't grow up together. Andrew and I didn't actually meet until around 2003 at Comedy Works downtown. 
And while he had only started doing stand-up a few months before me, I remember not liking him. <laughs> he seemed arrogant and aloof and dismissive. Remember, we didn't get along at first. I, He's dead, Ben. I know. I now realize that he appeared that way because he was deaf. That's why. If you don't know, Andrew lost a large percentage of his hearing uh, in his adulthood, and I don't like deaf people. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I was also, and I, this is where I get earnest. Ron, sound the earnestness horn. Thank you. I was also very jealous of him. Even in those early years, he had an ease about him on stage. He could take any subject, whether it was buses or trains or cars or airport shuttles or airplanes. Just really any type of transportation. Transportation guy. Yeah. <laughs> he could weave that into a kaleidoscopic tapestry of funny voices and funny sounds and even more funny voices. The crowd loved him and I fucking hated him. But over time, as our past crossed more and more, we both started to let our guard down and I let the real Truman show in. I began to see that beneath that quiet, understated exterior is, if you don't know, one of the most kind, giving, caring humans I've ever known. If you're a friend of Andrew, you've likely received a gift from Orbital. He loved to give people things and simply because he truly loved seeing people happy. And man, was he smart. So fucking intelligent. It was always ironic to me that Andrew played the dim-witted Farabelle on our cult smash hit TV show, Those Who Can't, all three seasons are streaming now on HBO Max. Thank you. Because in real life, he was so thoughtful, self-aware, and informed. Seriously, pick your favorite movement moment on Those Who Can't. Pick your favorite episode. There's a good chance it was an Andrew idea. He was, uh, he's, uh, he's Ooh, so great. intelligent. Well, uh, but just let us have this. It's fine. I know that you came up, but I mean, I did the heavy lifting most of the time. But. And then his daughter was born. And man, long friendships are the best because you get to see your friends evolve. And when Amelia came into this world, we saw the nurturing parental figure in him blossom. We should have known this would be the case given his love of animals, in particular his, his prized dogs. And when he became a dad, he became the kind of dad we should all strive to be. Present, patient, involved. It made all of us parents feel like we were doing only half the job we should have been. Amelia really won the lottery getting Andrew as her dad. And that was Andrew, for those who didn't know him. A funny, loving, passionate, caring family man and best friend. And the best there ever was at all of those things. And I will miss him dearly. And now... To close this with a quote from the Bible, for Andrew so loved his King James Bible. He's coming back to life! Genesis 1.20. Oh, that's a favorite of mine. Yeah. And God said, let the waters be full of living things, and let birds in flight over the earth under the ark of heaven. Fly on, my little hot air balloon boy. May I... May I kiss the body? You may. You may. Yeah, you may. No, I'm not kissing you. I don't care what the CDC right, says. Get the mine. fuck away Thank from you. me. you. That's mine. What are you talking about? That was lovely. Then I do that thing, too. This thing. Okay, Adam. Oh, God. Hold it together, buddy. Well, I guess, uh, I guess it's my turn. I didn't really want to have to do this. I will try not to cry. 
Okay. Okay. <clears throat> it's so easy to focus on the horrific end that befell our dear friend Andrew Orvidal. <laughs> How his beloved Huskies turned on him. Is that what happened? Goring him but not killing him. Then slowly devouring his entrails as he lay in a heap on the living room floor. It's easy to focus on how the coroner's report revealed that the dogs took only nibbles across the course of several days. Some would say drawing the whole thing out in a cruel attempt to maximize suffering. Of course you want to focus on that, the gruesome agony our sweet boy Andrew endured for literal days as those husky teeth and tongues methodically eviscerated his organs. Why? Why would they do that? He loved those dogs. Well, as we all know, they were confused. You see, Andrew was so deeply committed to the character he was inhabiting in one of his many role-playing games. He never thought to question how his huskies would respond to the sudden presence of a squirrel man in their home. To Andrew, it was just another character, a mask adopted for the evening like so many masks before it. But as the many tiny carcasses littered across Andrew's Lakewood acreage can attest, there's nothing those huskies hate more than squirrels. So faced with the opportunity to fell a giant one on their home turf, those huskies did the only thing they could do, slowly and barbarously draw out the final labored breaths of the biggest squirrel they had ever seen. So rather than focus on those details, I choose to focus on the fact that Andrew Warverdahl died doing what he loved, spending time with his dogs, while hiding from his actual problems by playing a weird character online. <laughs> but let us focus on the things we loved about Andrew, of which there are so very many. I loved the way that Andrew showed appreciation for you. And Ben mentioned this, but he'd buy you gifts. He'd bake you things. With a lot of people, you're out of sight, you're out of mind. You never got that feeling with Andrew. You could tell he valued you and that he thought about you often. A text late at night sharing a restaurant you might enjoy. A suggestion for a fun place to take your kids. He was so thoughtful. These are things that matter and that add up in a friendship. Things that Ben Roy has never done once. Born to a family of coal miners and little more than a holler in rural West Virginia in the year 1897, <laughs> Andrew exhibited propensity for book learning from a young age. The first in his family to be able to read or write, at age nine, Andrew headed west to Hollywood <laughs> to stake his claim in the burgeoning talky film industry. quickly established himself as a screenwriter of note, and that's where we met, working on the legendary teacher romp, Those Who Can't. Andrew was 115. <laughs> but like Ben mentioned, that's also where I saw what a great parent Andrew was. I'll never forget how Andrew's daughter wanted to dress up as Ray from Star Wars for Halloween. Andrew pulled aside the head of our art department and asked if she could help him make the perfect costume, replete with Ray's signature quarterstaff. This is all true. Andrew's request shut down production for four days. <laughs> but it was worth it when you saw how happy Amelia was. No one had a cooler Ray costume that year. It was perfect. 
And I remember thinking, that's how you parent. That's how I want to do it. As it worked out, my son has been a fire truck two years in a row and my wife did everything. <laughs> but still, there's time. But there's no more time for Andrew now. So I want to try to appreciate the time I got to spend with him. Time laughing harder than I've ever laughed with anyone working on whatever ridiculous idea we were trying to bring to life. Time eating adventurously in new cities. Time feeling appreciated and loved by one of the funniest, most creative, sincere people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. I'm so sorry for all the pain you experienced in death. <laughs> that was beautiful. Wow, that was thank beautiful. you guys. Okay. There's an amazing photo of, of Amelia on set raising her hand like this right. and Bobcat Goldthwait had jumped and they caught it perfect where it looks like Bobcat Goldthwait is floating and his daughter Amelia is in this amazing costume. It was beautiful and we're going to miss you. Let's shut that coffin. Let's bury it. Let's, <laughs> Let's light this thing on fire and send it out to sea. <laughs> Andrew Orbital, everybody. R.I.P. This is nice. It's kind of nice. This was nice. Really good stuff. Is it? Who's up? You want to go? You want? I'll go. Man, limber up before you get down there. It's a real crawl. Jesus Christ! I'm going tonight. I can tell. I'm going tonight. This is a very. We are teasing death with this whole thing. Yeah, mocking it. I've seen enough horror movies. That's the point, though. It's just like take the piss out of it. It's not as scary. And we got to tell you how we feel about you, Andrew. I didn't know we were supposed to be so roasty, so I'm just going to eat shit with mine, I guess. Well, I think everybody knew that going in. <laughs> uh, I can go first. I have one for Ben. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody, like, go ahead. Go read, uh, ben Roy, everyone. Ben Roy, rest in power. Ben Roy. We should never have put him erect in the, in the coffin like this. <laughs> We're going to have the hardest time shutting that coffin. We can't get him to lay down. He's fully kickstanding in there, and he's not going down. (laughs) Pretty cute. All right. We're here tonight to remember Benjamin P. Roy, taken from us too soon after a freak accident when he slipped backwards and let go of a rope holding a piano and fell down an open elevator shaft. In death, Ben's body resembles a colorful fast food bag thrown from a moving car. (laughs) But in life, he was so much more. (laughs) I met Ben in 2003 at the start of my comedy career when my roommate told me his funny friend at work also did comedy. To my dismay, my roommate was right. Ben was funny. But back then, Ben's comedy was riding shotgun with Ben's drinking, and the results were like having a thermometer broken off in your butt. (laughs) (laughs) Highly mercurial. (laughs) It had another level. I remember <laughs> I remember this culminated in a drunken night at the Squire Lounge where Ben sullenly made a dial tone noise for ten straight minutes, daring the MC to try and take the mic from him. 
It wasn't until I returned from living in Los Angeles in 2009 that Ben and I became better friends. When I came back to Denver, I found a completely different Ben. He had quit drinking and was as sharp as a tack. While he had been funny before, he was now devastatingly funny. Despite being cold sober, Ben was still just as explosive. He had just learned to point the claymore in the right direction. Ben and I collaborated on many projects over the years, and I think I butted heads with him creatively more than anyone else, which isn't a complaint. I think criticism is the whetstone against which quality is sharpened, and I hope in that way, Ben and I kept each other pretty pointy. Outside of comedy endeavors, Ben loved his family, both biological and found, in an effortless way that I always envied. If Ben was your friend, you simply knew he had your back and would not hesitate to defend you until he was blue in the face. As a quick aside, I was actually asked to deliver Ben's last will and testament, as it is quite brief. Uh, To his teenage son, Milo, Ben leaves two martial arts geese and a motorcycle, (laughs) along with a pretty good vigilante backstory. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's the whole will, actually. That's everything. Uh, Pretty neat, pretty tidy, as it turns out. In closing, I'm so glad I met Ben and we stayed in each other's lives as long as we did. Ben not only made me a better comedian by his example, he made me a better person. Ben was one of a handful of funny, sober people I had in my life who showed me, not told me, that I could be just as funny without drinking, contrary to what my own mind was telling me. He was a really good guy, and I'm sure he's pretty mad that I outlived him. In a world of sparklers, Ben was an M80, preferably one flushed down a toilet by a teenager in a country club. I love you, bud. That was lovely, Andrew. Now we'll hear from Adam Catenhall. (laughs) In eulogizing my dear departed friend Ben Roy, I'd like to do something Ben never did us the courtesy of, which is keep it short and sweet. Because what can I say after all that Ben Roy hasn't said already in his innumerable, relentless Instagram stories? His biographers will be combing through that mountain of dog shit for years. (laughs) But those posts have dried up, and I suppose I'm going to miss them, as their absence means Ben's time with us is over. A COVID denier to the bitter end. (laughs) The disease that he refused to take seriously while defiantly continuing to perform in crowded, sweaty venues full of alt-right sympathizers took his life. And even though none of that is true, if I state the narrative enough times, Ben is no longer here to counter it, so my story will win out. And that is my prize for outliving my dear friend Ben. So congratulations to me, one last goof at his expense. But you see, goofs are what Ben and I had in common, what made us friends, what we used to help us get through all the hard stuff. And that's why I have to goof even now, because this is hard. And Ben is the person I would turn to first whenever things got hard, which they did a lot for both of us, more than I think is fair. And whenever they did, I would call Ben first. And you know what Ben would do? He would listen with zero judgment. And after he was done listening, he would offer solid advice, then a laugh or two, usually through his preferred riff mechanism of sexual whining. I shouldn't be here. I can imagine him saying that now, even in the casket. That's the sound, and I'm going to miss it. 
Essentially, his advice always boiled down to the fact that life is ridiculous and incomprehensible and we're all just trying the best we can. So go easy on yourself and go easy on others and lead with love. One of the best times I ever had with Ben was traveling to Maine with him to do shows. I saw the town he grew up in. I stayed in his parents' houses. I went to a football game with him at his high school. I got to see the little punk rock rural Maine kid that exploded into this monster performer. And everyone looked at Ben with these gaga eyes like he was this big star. And I was like, I have a Comedy Central half hour. Ben doesn't. <laughs> Don't you want to talk to me instead? But they didn't. People from rural New England are backwards. They're ignorant. They have beady eyes. They're rapacious. They all wanted a piece of their hometown hero, Ben's time, not mine. It was overwhelming. There was one of Ben, hundreds of them. But you know what happened? Just like with me, Ben took the time to talk to everyone. He listened. He gave advice. I always thought of, kind of thought of that was my special gift from Ben, but I realized that's how Ben treated everyone. I was just his friend, so I got more of it. But Ben was the same with everyone he encountered. Generous, empathetic, kind. There's not a lot of people like that. And now there's one less. It's enough to make you goddamn sob. But sob, I shan't. Because I know Ben is excited to meet his maker. Indeed, I think he's been waiting for this moment his entire life. He wrote about it, in fact, in probably his most popular song, Counting Blue Cars by Dishwalla. The band Ben fronted in the mid-90s, but never bragged about. Because when not posting about his achievements online nonstop, he was actually pretty humble. Anyway, in that song, Ben sang, <clears throat> Tell me all your thoughts on God. Because I'd really like to meet her. And ask her why we're who we are. Tell me all your thoughts on God. Because I'm on my way to see her. So tell me, am I very far? You're not very far now, Ben. You're home. You can rest. Rest in power, my friend, Ben Roy. I'm really gonna miss him, Andrew. I can't, I can't believe he's gone, it's so quiet. Hey, I'm back. Hey, Ben Roy, everyone. Hey. Get now. Get in there, buddy. Want to go first or second? That's up to you. I can go first. All right, I can go first. Let's do it. Okay, dude, that thing fits you. Yeah, you look sexy. New new headshot. <laughs> Funeral home magician. Ooh. All right. We're here tonight to remember Adam Caden Holland, taken from us too soon after a freak accident when a piano fell on his head. <laughs> I met Adam through stand-up comedy in 2004, <laughs> and we became quick pals as part of a small group of up-and-comers. It was an exciting time for independent comedy shows run by comics, and Adam and I put on Los Comicos Super Hilariosos in the old Curtis Street Tavern. To this day, I finally remember running to the bathroom to change into our suits so we could deliver news jokes to the six people scattered throughout the bar. 
Being friends with Adam was like being friends with a bird. And I don't mean that like I'm pandering to Adam even in death. It really was like being friends with a bird. Adam was the sharpest, most astute person I knew. He was always laser focused on the task at hand and one step ahead in planning any endeavor. In all the live shows we collaborated on, Adam effortlessly handled all the managerial bits that usually fall through the cracks. And no one ever challenged that because everyone simply knew there wasn't a better person to do it. As collaborators, there was no one I worked faster with alongside. While I drove Adam slowly insane with my scatterbrained texts and habitual lateness, we did share a similar work ethic when it came to writing. I remember during the third season of Those Who Can't, Adam and I took a stand-up detour to Nashville and outlined an entire episode in 40 minutes while standing in line for lunch, a task that usually took several days back in the writer's room. But as great as it was to watch Adam become an amazing comedian and writer, it was even greater to see him as a father to his two boys. I think one of the best tests of a person's temperament is in their parenting, because it's hard to fake being a piece of shit, and Adam proved himself a very caring, loving father, even if he did never make a cool Halloween costume. (laughs) While some friendships might waver up or down, Adam was a reliably set fixture in my life, and I'm glad I had him perched in my tree for so long. He was a really great guy, and I'm sure he's also pretty mad that I outlived him. (laughs) But I'm going to miss you, bud, and I love you. Oh, God, I didn't want to write this. I probably should have been preparing to do so as soon as Andrew bought that damned hot air balloon kit. <laughs> I should have known that tragedy was on our doorstep. Andrew wanted so badly to send a human being up in that thing. Even famed French aviator Jean-Francois Pilatre de Rosier, the first person to ever pilot a hot air balloon, even he sent livestock up, but... Andrew kept saying, mile for mile, safest form of travel there is. (laughs) And all Andrew had to do was to present the idea to old Adam, and Adam was on board going on that thing. He always wanted to fly. Be like one of the birds, he says. You all know how much this man loved those dumb fucking birds. Well, he got to be one, all right. That was until the wind direction suddenly shifted and he was slammed into those high-tension cables out by I-70 and 6th Avenue. Parboiled him from the inside out. They found him in one of his waspy sweaters. He had been steamed like a waspy tamale. In the end, our dreams become the coins upon our eyes, don't they? Ben, did you write one eulogy and do a a find replace, you piece of shit? A little bit. No. You're the one that keeps buying this garbage. I first met Adam in the early 2000s. If you don't know, he randomly sat beside me at a bar called Red Room on Colfax, and I was writing jokes. I remember he asked me what I did. I said, I was a comic. I'd only been doing it six months, but I was already a god. And I remember... He said he was a writer for the Westward and that he always dreamed of being a comic. And that night I told him of a local open mic. And sure enough, the following week he showed up. And he got up there, and I remember you got up there, and you were, he sucked. Like not a speck of talent in the guy. Real dead fish on stage. So I did what I had to do. I took the boy under my wing. You'd hate that I told you all this, but I taught him everything he knew. Wanted it to be some big secret, but what does it matter now? 
Does it change anything for you all knowing that what you saw was what I created? A comic who publicly kept his cards to his chest was ice cold on stage, never selected a wrong word. Always rested just ahead of the curve of the rest of us. I built a perfect comedy machine for you all. It was what had to be done, but I hate myself for it. I want you to know, Andrew, I hate myself because what you all didn't get to see was the man that those closest to him offstage knew. A thoughtful, surprisingly sensitive family man with a heart of gold. I think at times Adam's public persona could be perceived as a, a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> as guarded or arrogant. But that couldn't have been further from the truth. At his core, this was a man who felt deeply about everything, from the world around him to his family and friends, all the way to his beloved Chesapeake Bay retriever, Annabelle. But what I admired most about my friend and the earnestness horn, Ron, if we have it. <laughs> but what I admired most about my best friend was his strength. He's much stronger than I could have ever been. Adam saw and experienced unimaginable pain and loss. I witnessed it firsthand, up close. Um, trust me when I say that he could have folded. He could have got up from the table and just disappeared and no one would have faulted him. But instead, I watched him accept the hurt. I watched him grieve deeply. I watched him let the waves crash over him. And then I watched him stand up. And I watched him become more ambitious in his work. He became more in touch with his emotions, both the light and the dark. He became more open to spiritual possibilities. He became more open to love. And eventually, he used his immense talent to share that journey he had to be on with all of us so that maybe more of us will be prepared when tragedy inevitably comes calling for us. An incredibly strong, heartfelt, deeply intelligent, loving best friend, father, son, husband, and brother. And the best big brother, that's what he should be remembered as. Not this cyborg-like comedian that I built. <laughs> Although, definitely remember him as that and thank me for building it for him. <laughs> Now I'd like to end with a, Adam's favorite passage from the Bible. <laughs> oh, how he loved his King James Bible. <laughs> Timothy 3.6. Evil women will cause Christian men to compromise and sin. They are on the wrong path and women will bring you down with them. Beware. Because... Adam hated women. <laughs> May I kiss the body? Oh, yeah, go ahead. No tongue. No tongue, everybody. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's a new what thing. A you started that trend, the kissing the body. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, man. That was really the nice. Theology, the priest says you may kiss oh, the body. That was really nice. And thank you for reading my favorite Bible passage. Yeah, first funeral I've ever cried from laughing. That was the original Bitches Be Cray, wasn't it? That's <laughs> what started it all. Yeah, it they was. They do be being cray a lot. They do be cray. <laughs> um, wow. That was... Uh, <laughs> Surprisingly heavy. Yeah, you know? man, that was weird. That was fucking weird. I had how no idea. It, how was it writing them for you? Oh, um, 
Pretty easy. I mean, I, I feel very strongly about, you know, you said that, I almost addressed that. We probably argued, you and I, Andrew, more than about, like, remember there was a time, if, if you watch Those Who Can't, there was an episode, the second episode, um, where there's a kid allergic to peanuts. And we're epipenning him constantly. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. we start giving Fairbell peanuts because he's allergic to test things. And then we just keep pulling him back from death with epipens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And on set, I had to hit him with an epipen. And I just, I don't pull punches. So I just hauled off and fucking drilled him in the leg with this epipen. And over and over <laughs> and over. And he snapped on me on set. He was like, you fucking and then everybody's eyes got big and I was like chill the fuck out dude and then we got in this squabbly like fight and it was episode 2 and I think everyone was like these guys from Denver are the nicest dudes and that was the first like oh the bubbles fucking burst on this thing but what they didn't realize is that like 10 minutes later you and I were like looking at a phone laughing at a video together and that's just how we fight we fight like uh, siblings and we always come back to you know and it was so it was fairly easy because I feel like I'm writing it for a sibling. You have known you guys so well. That's me personally. What about you? I had a very easy time writing it. I just wanted to roast but also get to the heartfelt shit. It was, it was, the heartfelt stuff was the stuff I wrote first. That was easy and then I was like, I can't just get up there and sob well, comedy, about these comedy guys. comedy comes hard for you and I, and I address that up front. <laughs> like the, the jokes are difficult for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And without me there to, you know, Hold your hand <laughs> right. and guide the pen. <laughs> yeah. No, I just great, like uh, Adam. You're doing really good. I'm just starstruck. I'm so used to seeing you online so much to see you in person. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know if I can hold eye contact with you. I'm just like I'm sorry. I'm got, I'm like those main kids. Um, no, I definitely had a lot to say about both you guys, and I think it's funny that with Andrew, both of us were just like he's the nicest, most thoughtful friend. I think he's. Uh, I think that's you and I both. Yeah, know I don't think people, you're the most. Uh, you're the most quiet, and you kind of keep to yourself more than the rest than Adam and I and I do. And I think people don't get to see who you really are a lot. And you're a very like kind, thoughtful person. I remember you wanted to buy me shoes. We made the same money, and we would be at the writers' table, and you'd be like, "I'm going to buy you a pair of shoes, Andrew. Do not buy me a pair of shoes. I'm going to get you a pair of shoes." They I were, need- they were falling apart. I know. <laughs> All right. But, um, yeah. No, but what do, you, what do you think of this as an exercise? I think, hands down, you should all do this. Surprise your friends with it. Like, write them. <laughs> well, maybe not so past tense. <laughs> like, in case you die, I got you. Yeah. And just email it to them. Why the fuck not? No, I mean, just, like, send them. I don't think it's wrong to send a nice letter to, to somebody randomly outlining to them why you like and care about them and what or what even an, even an anecdote like remember when you did this thing I fucking love that to me that's emblematic of you as a friend I, I if I received one of those in the email that'd be amazing surprise your friends with a funeral like yeah. just one You're of part your of friends. a surprise party get one of these rigs yeah I mean are you kidding me that would be an amazing surprise party if you had everybody show up in suits have a fucking coffin and like how much this cost? Uh, yeah, dude. How much? What, what do you think? Judge. What do you want? What do you want to pay for it? And wait, wait, wait. What? How, what's it going to take to put you in this coffin today? <laughs> this is why we put the suits on, guys. Are you We're kidding? ready to sell. 
This is a Luxo Afterlife 6000. This is a Cadillac. This is the Cadillac right here, Coffins. Now listen, we're spending too much time talking to the audience when we have a British person here. Yeah, everybody knows we are, that the British are qualified to judge virtually anything. 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 The British Other can than judge food, anything. anything. <laughs> and so we'd like to bring Matt Kirshen back out. Matt, Matt come, back come out on out! There's a microphone right Welcome there behind back. the stairs. Welcome back. Behind the stairs. Right there. You got it, Mike, right there. You got it? Turn it on. Turn it and on. In, in it addition on? to being British, Matt is also one of the smartest people I've ever met. Uh, even accent aside. No, no I meant yep. that. I've been yep. 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 Yeah. Yes. Ah. You're good. Matt Kirsten, everybody. From yeah. The, yeah. Matt Kirsten. You want to get in the coffin? Yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll just lean, lean on it. Like, a, oh, this is not, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's real like wobbly, no, I'll tell you that. first non-load-bearing coffin. Yeah. <laughs> I also, by the way, I still like, I left my water bottle and face mask on here, like when you both, when you walked out, and then, like, I don't know if you, anyone, like, just before the curtain raised up, saw, like, a really panicked, oh, shit, as I ran out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm, I've been looking forward to this. I've never been a, a British reality show judge before. I've... I've been trying to decide whether this would be the nice one or the mean one. <laughs> oh, uh, and I just want to say that these are the worst eulogies I've ever heard. Okay. And All right. That's I nice. don't know who that's told nice. you that you have a talent for eulogies, but uh, your friends and family being lying to you, and the tone was wrong, and... Uh... <laughs> this is great. No. This is exactly what I want. <laughs> this is what we don't usually get, and it's constructive. Yeah, the Simon Cowell treatment, I like it. It's only no. going to make us better eulogizers. Yeah. Yeah, for next gonna, season. You're going to come back next year with a next new eulogy season, and a new... Eulogizers. Eulogizers. <laughs> 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 we need to get to writing that. All right. I do love, by the way, you like the idea of springing a eulogy on someone, which is basically just an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's just everything that's an true. intervention is, except without the, like, and your drinking is really a problem. <laughs> like, you're, we love you, and you've, here's a poem about what you mean to us. And, <laughs> uh, but no, this was genuinely great. This was, like, all three... Like, all three of, or all six eulogies were great. I, 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 they, were, they were funny, they were moving. I found them useful because, uh, you know, it was a good way for me to learn uh, who each of you are. <laughs> I've changed, I put your real names in my phone now. Uh, <laughs> what were the names before? Uh, beard it was, one, uh, it was, beard two. It was Grawlix one, Grawlix two, and Denver tattoo guy. <laughs> wow, you got upgraded, he dude. He doesn't have that many tattoos. That's the crazy thing. And to label him as that, he's so much more than that. Man. <laughs> I hate to see you emulsified down to one thing. Yeah. Uh, also, by the way, the creepiest thing watching this from behind, because like you at least put a cloth down the front there, but I just saw like your legs there. Like... <laughs> From when I was looking behind the curtain, it just looked like some sort of creepy magic trick. <laughs> Cross with like, it, I don't know what it looked like from the front, but it also looked a bit like it was a ventriloquist funeral. <laughs> just like this dummy sitting up straight, <laughs> like like the real the ventriloquist is lying flat and the dummy's just sitting vertically there. And that's what you do, and it's the, like the ceremony at the end. That's how Ben got into comedy. Buried his dummy, never looked back. <laughs> Legally, ventriloquists have to bury the dummy when they retire. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. There's yeah. too many they secrets. Gotta, you they better bury that fucking dummy. They're so real. What do they actually do? Because I know, like, like magician, like stage magicians have like a wand snapping ceremony. That's a real thing. Whoa! I didn't like know when that. a magician dies, like... they'll have a ceremony and they'll snap their wand. Just I don't know. So just like no one else like abuses their magic. I, d- I did not. Like, know gets that. in there, like you know, Amazing. you don't want someone fucking with your wand when you've gone. 
but I don't know whether they when, like, a, when a comic dies, you just have to burn his drink tickets. <laughs> <laughs> but like with a venture to go, no one gets to use those. <laughs> those were Adams. <laughs> a big old jar of them. <laughs> All right, what did you think? Uh, I, okay, so firstly, again, loved loved all three of them. I love uh, all six of them. I love that each of you took this as an exercise to really more predict your friend's means of death (laughs) than than to actually talk about them. Like, I I love that. They were were all funny. They were all heartfelt. I wasn't expecting them all to be as heartfelt, uh, but, you you know, there was some real, like, uh, you know, real deep feelings, and I I, I appreciated that. I liked that. I know I have to pick a winner, and that's hard. Yeah. uh, But there... For me, there was one person uh, of the three of you who really uh, did what a eulogy should do, and that is uh, really get out all of your grudges. <laughs> oh, you didn't even see it happening. No, it's Ben. It was Ben, ah, like, really? <laughs> what? Ben was the winner, the Whoa, eulogy winner. Yeah. Oh, it was a... Wow. Uh, I don't think so. I think you're wrong, and I think the print got it wrong. Oh. We all knew that Andrew shit the bed. Okay, like that was a gift. <laughs> Total gift. And Adam, I, look, Adam, Adam, I they were very, the they, it was very good and it was very funny. But yeah. I just, I just thought there was some real, like underlying malice <laughs> in, in yours. Like I thought, like you know, I think, I think the other two, you really did like really talk about the person who was in the coffin more. But I think Ben really just gave more of himself, and uh, <laughs> and I think that's what a real true eulogy the, should do. I think a tracks. real good eulogy should come away going like, I don't really know much about the deceased, but I really, I really Thank got to grips with that guy, and now know what makes him tick. And Me too. <laughs> yes, he gets it. Ben Matt Kirchner. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for judging Yay. us. Yay! Thank you, Ben. Congratulations. Wow. Wow. It feels looks like such a game show host right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, he's the host of Eulogizers coming, uh, coming to True and, TV. And welcome back to Close the Lid. Here we are today. This is going to be a big one. We've got contestants Tom and Filbert. And you guys, what a fun night. Yeah, we both just recently lost someone and we're competing. <laughs> we, now we can only pay for one of your funerals. Yeah, we so. need the money. You better really make that eulogy pop. <laughs> Who's going to get the Lex Afterlife 6,000. This is our new squid game. It's just like poor families competing for a funeral <laughs> game show. Oh, it's right around the corner in, rea- in reality. Oh, boy. This, was, um, this was truly a, a, a really uh, interesting, dark, uh, kind of scary challenge. For but sure. It, but um, I appreciate you both. I know that we joked a lot, but I, I, you're, you know, we're, we're, you're my best friends. Hell yeah, buddy. Right, right back at you. And, yeah. and I definitely think you should all Think about doing this. You know what I mean? A funeral. And if you are planning a surprise party for a friend, I, honest to God, this would be the funniest fucking thing you could possibly do. (laughs) If one of you has the balls to pull this off, tag us in all those photos. (laughs) Show us this party. My God, what a cool party. Host a funeral for a friend and everybody just... They're turning 40 or 50, like a big one. Just fucking give them a funeral. And then weekend at Bernie, that fucking party animal around afterwards. Yeah. Um, what a fun, what a fun uh, challenge! What a fun evening! I I do want to quickly say this. Um, it feels like it wouldn't be appropriate to not address it now more than ever with everything that happened around the city over the last couple days. It hit uh, a lot of us close, uh, far too close to home. This is important now more than ever. This is fragile. Please tell people that you love them and that you care about them. 
and don't let terrible people snuff the light of what a lot of us are trying to do by making a more equal, equitable, and positive planet to be on. Please tell people you love them and, and uh, everybody that was affected, our condolences, you know. But uh, yeah, we love you all. And thank you all for fucking being here. Um, yeah, it's a heavy time. And uh, I would do this challenge again. I think this challenge is good for the world. And I'm really glad you all came out with us to be here live tonight. Yeah, please give a big round of applause to our producer extraordinaire. Amateur Roddy and The Undertaker Doyle. <laughs> uh, of course, Alex and the Bug Theater, please give them a big round of applause. If you get a chance, go to thebugtheater.com, check out their schedule of events, support this theater. Including 51st Jokes in One Week, which is such a fun show. It'll be on this stage, uh, not, not this Saturday, but the next Saturday. Yep. Uh, support that. 50 Comics and Never Telling the First Joke of the Year. It's such a fun show. Come also, our Grolics Live show returns next month. Hopefully this variant has subsided a bit and, and we, will have, uh, we will all feel a bit more comfortable being out and whatnot. Um, so yeah, the, the last Saturday of this month, the Grolics, another huge lineup. It's going to be amazing. Yep. Until then, you want to say it? Yeah. This is my favorite part of the show. I loved it. It's the only reason I show up. We all fucking know. That. Play us out, y'all.